The Ringer's Dave Hill takes you on a journey into the underground lives and careers of six professional gamblers. This eight-part podcast is a unique look into the gambling world that you don't want to miss. Check out Gamblers on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I am Nora Princiati here at... A little bit after midnight, at least on the East Coast. We're potting after dark. We just watched rounds two and three of the draft. I'm here with Kalen Jones and Roger Sherman. We're ready to rumble. We're ready to chop it up. Guys, how are you doing? Roger, how are you doing? There, this, this draft didn't have any like MVP trade rumors at all, the second and third rounds of the draft. So <laughs> yeah, we got gypped. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of just like people getting drafted, which you to some people is interesting. <laughs> Including all of us. It's that. And it's the fact that like nobody, nobody really clowned themselves in this draft. Like a lot of teams, you know, some of these players are obviously not going to work out, right? But that's the draft. And there weren't a lot of like memeable moments, which is actually, to your point, in some ways nice because we're actually thinking about team building and these players and they're really excited. However, I got to say, you know, one memification, it wouldn't have hurt. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, the, the thing where NFL teams are seem like relatively competent and pick the players they're supposed to, um, I guess it's what we're sort of advocating for every time we roast GMs for doing something stupid, but it's it's not as fun. We are the we are the dog who uh, caught the car. We caught, caught the tail. car, yeah. <laughs> I've we did both. Start, start saying that I don't know how they car. It's late. It's late, but we're locked in. And we're ready to go. Kalen, did you have any surprises or was this draft sort of straightforward so far to you as well? Oh, yeah. No, the second day was much less hectic than the first day. I mean, you wrote about it. After Aaron Rodgers threw a wrench into the draft yesterday, I was kind of on edge to see if anything would happen. But um, no, it, it was nice and chill. It was just long. Like you said, it's almost midnight. Shout out to everyone in, you know, who was born in May or I'm a Taurus. So I'm trying to just shout out everyone else as a Taurus. I'm ready to go to bed, but shout out. Ooh. To 
All right. Well, we've already got a little little horoscope action then. So what we're going to do is we've got some winners and losers. Um, We've basically got two winners and two losers each. Although, Roger, I think you went off book a little bit, which is fine. You know, again, it's late at night. We're keeping it loose. It's the draft. We're having fun. But, Kaylin, I'm going to have you kick it off. Who is your first winner of night two? Uh, so my first winner is actually the Detroit Lions. I know that, you know, we made fun of Dan Campbell when he first got hired and he had his, ex- uh, I guess, an explosive press conference, made the joke about biting kneecaps. Well, he's kind of following through on that in terms of constructing the roster and, you know, credit to Brad Holmes as well. The players that they drafted over the past two days, you know, Penny Suwelf out of Oregon, I thought that was a great pick. And then they followed yep. it up, you know, with, with some great, uh, defensive lineman, uh, Levi Wuzurike, who had the quote of the century. Um, I don't know if I'll repeat it for you, but Aleem McNeil of out of North or uh, North Carolina State. And then Afidu Melifonwu from uh, Syracuse is a cornerback that probably went a little bit later than most people expected. You know, this is kind of a pretty good job in terms of rebuilding and establishing a culture when you're talking about the Lions. I know they won't be great this year, but they're, they're a winner for me by far. Can, so can we it come back to the quote. Yeah, that's where I was going to. Roger, do you want to read it? it? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Levi on on Wuzurike said, "I like fucking people up. I like to get off the line and just put my helmet or my hands on an offensive lineman and fuck up an offensive scheme. Pretty much, I like pushing him back two or three yards and just making him feel like shit." And I, I think the first thing you said about the the Lions and about Dan Campbell is, of course, that they they he has a quote. So they're just kind of combining and forming uh, outrageous football guy quote Voltron in Detroit, and that's I think that also is it is it rude is like Voltron and Megatron? Am I like bringing up memories for the Lions? <laughs> Are those two things connected? It's okay, not they're not super- on this podcast. <laughs> but like uh, at a certain point, sometimes football guys actually do good football things, especially in the trenches. Yeah. I mean, it's a real, ugh, I hate all these sayings, but it's like a hog mollies, like glass pressures <laughs> draft. Dave Gettleman, I'm sure nodded in approval. You've just got to imagine though, that when he gave that quote, like, I don't know if they were in the same room. It was probably on the phone with beat writers. But whenever Dan Campbell sees that, he's just going to be like nodding his head so happy. Culture is established. (laughs) You you have to assume that at some point in the pre-draft, they had an interview because you interview the guys you're trying to draft. And it must have been just the two of them like... Are you gonna bite their kneecaps off? Yeah, I'm gonna do more than that. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna rip their helmets off. And, and like, what are you gonna do after you rip their helmets off? What else are you gonna eat? And like, they were just. It must have been great. I, I think that was probably where it was won. And he's also good at football. That's the thing. And so, like, <laughs> that's an you added have bonus. good. That's the thing. Like, good football players with good football coaches. I don't know how good of a coach Dan Campbell is. I know that when he was standing up there on that press conference. It made me want to run through a wall. And so when you look at him being the front man and then having this really good staff beneath him, you look at Anthony Lenizer off the coordinator. Deuce Staley is on staff. Probably should have been a head coach uh, during this last cycle. Same with uh, defense coordinator Aaron Glenn, a former uh, uh, high-level uh, defensive back in the NFL. And then Tom Capers. So 
this is a pretty interesting staff. This is a pretty interesting culture. And I like how everything is kind of shaped shaping up, especially, you know, falling off the the first pick with Penny Suwell. This is a really interesting makeup, you know, not just today, but maybe years from now. Yeah, it looks like a smart draft, especially because it's, you know, they they seem to have recognized, look, like, we don't know how all these players are going to pan out, right? So I, I right. say this over and over again, but so much of looking at drafts is one, if you have specific qu- questions to answer, did you answer them? But more broadly, does the team seem like it kind of knows where it is? And this draft seemed very much like they were just reinforcing both lines, getting good players who fit the culture, fit what they're trying to build. Not really, they're not really in a place to draft for need because they have a lot of needs and they were just yeah. taking good guys. And, and that's really all you can ask for at that point. And biting some kneecaps. There's such a thin line in, in football between coaches who say outrageous things and everyone in the locker room is like, <laughs> what, why, why is he saying that? And coaches who say outrageous things and they're like, I will die for this man. And it's real. This is like a real yeah. thing that actually does change the fortunes of football teams. If Matt Patricia had said something like that, we, they would just be odd stares. And instead it actually, we like feel like Dan Campbell's doing something good. Yep. Wow, are we kind of bought in on the Lions culture, guys? It really is getting late. I am. I'm a little bit. I like it. Well, other things we like. Roger, what is your first winner? I think the the winner of the the first few days of the draft are the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Whoa! Um, Browns week. Okay. Browns week 2.0. Browns week, we're doing it. And not necessarily <laughs> Cleveland itself because it looked very cold and rainy through both nights of the draft and like tonight people were mittening up and like wearing as many clothes as possible on set it really did not look fun to be there but they picked Jeremiah Awosu Koromoa and this is a guy who on the ringers big board Danny Kelly had him ranked ninth and they traded up and they got him 52nd which is lower than ninth so you can't really have much more of a... This is a guy who won the Buckus Award in college. It's just an unimaginably good pick that deep in the draft. And he he fell because of some concerns. Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? But he's the, he was the best player available by a lot. And it, it just seems like they're, they're crushing it right now. So I ran the numbers on that. Is indeed lower than ninth. Uh, the Browns, so they get Greg Newsom. Northwestern cornerback in the first, and then Uusu Kormoa in the second, and then Anthony Schwartz, the receiver from Auburn, in the third. Kalen, you watch a ton of college football, super tapped in. Any of those picks in particular stand out to you? Is it Uusu Kormoa, like Roger's saying? Oh, yeah, all three. That's the thing. All three are great picks. Like Greg Newsom, very standout corner. It was probably a really significant reason why Justin Fields, when we talk about why he wasn't good or whatnot last season, his performance against Northwestern was heavily influenced by Greg Newsom. Uh, JOK, like Roger mentioned, you watch the Clemson game and you watch him cover Amari Rogers. For me, that was the game that I was like, okay, that guy is like Danny Kelly has him ranked top 10 caliber player, top 10 talent. And then Anthony Schwartz, I love Auburn players, so I'm kind of biased, but the dude runs a 4-2 and has track speed. So when you look at uh, Cleveland's offense, they were really missing that home run hitter. And I think that's what they got in Anthony Schwartz. So again, Anthony, or excuse me, Andrew Barry, GM over there, hitting 
bullseyes with every single pick, it seems like. You know, it's funny because all these teams want speed so badly, but there are a lot of offenses around the league that you look at and go, man, they're pretty good. They're smart. They're, they're you yep. know, well-designed. But there's a lot that's a little bit too horizontal. And I think you could say that about Cleveland at times. And I like the Schwartz pick for for that reason that you're explaining there. I mean, if it, if it works out, it just seems like he could add an element uh, because of the speed that's, that's yep. really cool. Roger, though, I thought you were going to say Cleveland, the city. And I know that it was rainy and gross, but I mean, the number of times that we have heard over the last two nights, someone just say, Cleveland, <laughs> it's got to be pretty good for, for tourism. I, I feel like Cleveland, I don't know how this is possible, but like on the ratio of how fun it is to yell a city's name out loud in public versus how <laughs> how much people otherwise seem to enjoy being there for that beside outside of the 3 seconds where you're yelling the city's name cleveland somehow seems very enjoyable to yell out loud um i i i think even people in cleveland want us to stop talking about the rock and roll hall of fame yeah yeah I, I think you're spot on with that. The, I got the actual NFL, the actual Pro Football Hall of Fame is like very close to Cleveland, and the NFL was like, "No, we're going full on Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all draft, like at any possible moment." And yep. and in some ways, it it they just had rock and roll people that are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like for example, all 27 minutes of Kings of Leon, not in the right. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at all. Never Yet. will be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. If we're going to get into a debate about like Hall of Fame eligibility, I wasn't expecting it to be Kings of Leon and as opposed to like football players. What about Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> yeah, he was also, there too. Yeah. Also not going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Anyway, no, I was talking about the Cleveland Browns. Things okay. They're actually becoming good at football and the lions are too. And just everything's upside down, man. Like the two teams we cited up front are like the lions and the Browns. Yeah. The decision making is getting better. That's the thing. Perceptively. at least. I do think there's a little bit of a, a sort of holdover effect where we can't quite quit thinking the Browns are the Browns because the Browns are a really smart organization. Yeah. That's kind of gotten themselves together. And yet every time they do something smart, well-reasoned, good value, there's just this little like vestigial organ that's like, the Browns? The really? Browns. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's hard to believe. All right. Well, that's a good segue into my first winner. Another uh, long maligned entity. Dave Gettleman. Trader oh Dave. Winner of... Uh, the first two days of the NFL draft. And for the first time, like I'm just picturing Dave Gettleman in the Giants facility, just like, like he's on a bender. He's on a trading down bender. Dave Gettleman, who'd famously never traded down with the Panthers or the Giants. He has now traded down twice. In the first round, he traded down with the Bears and still was able to get Kadarius Tony, which they needed some sort of you know, pass catcher receiving weapon, which I think was really good value there because they got a 2022 first and a fourth just to move back eight slots, right? And then now that he's gotten a taste of it, he can't get enough because then tonight they have the 42nd pick. They trade out with the Dolphins. 
They just move back to 50 and they get a third round next year. And then they still are able to draft Aziz Ujulari. So that's two really good players. And then next year, in a draft that's viewed as a really valuable one to have picks in because it's going to be so different from this year and and the scouting is going to be so much more normal and those future picks ended up being really coveted, the Giants have two firsts, two thirds, and two fourths. Let's go back just like a few days ago. Gettleman said that he'd never traded down because he didn't want to get fleeced. And now, Trader Dave... If anyone's doing the fleecing, I mean, I don't think because they they traded with the Bears who ended up getting fields um, with that first round trade and that was kind of a win-win. But it's a new era. Gettleman said that he's learning to turn right in NASCAR. And I just think that it is a beautiful thing. How do, Kaylin, how do you feel about this, this, this incredible growth for our guy? Well, we could call it growth or we could call it someone who got bullied enough on Twitter. I don't know if David Gettleman no. is on Twitter. But <laughs> oh, I don't want to the winner. <laughs> absolutely, people bullied him for saying that he doesn't trade down. Why would I ever trade down? And then like two or three days later, gave in, I, whether it was to, you know, they'll never say it was the people online. But look at dude, you listen to everyone online that you were scoffing at all two, three days ago. Now all of a sudden you're doing it and can't get enough of it. So it's really interesting. King there. Dave Gettleman. <laughs> Would you rather have um if you're the Giants though? Great, great trades down. He did all the right things from that numbers perspective. But like, would you rather have Justin Fields and not Daniel Jones? Okay, hold on. I'm going to defend my guy here. I'm now like on Dave Gettleman Island. This is horrible. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you are a Gettle woman. There was a moment when they they were in the they were in the um, Giants war room and he was standing there like just sort of like playing with his hands. And I was just looking at him on the screen being like, you go, buddy, let's go. So, okay, yes. Would I rather have Justin Fields? Yes, I would. However, they don't. And... We have to work within the boundaries of reality a little bit. Right. And I'm right now, I'm not going to talk about past failures. Right now, what they need to do is evaluate Daniel Jones to the fullest extent that they can and make a decision feeling like they have as complete a set of information as they possibly can gather. And I think just just in the last two nights, they did pretty well as far as supporting him with a cast that that can help them come to those conclusions and just making smart, you know, value-oriented decisions to do it. By the he's, way, he, well, go ahead, Roger. He's he's moving forward. He's learning just in the prime of his career, the prime of his career. Is, is, he's, he's figuring it out. It's really beautiful to see. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that you're a hater, um, but... Also, we should mention... <laughs> you were so in on Dave Gettleman all of a sudden. I know, I can't, I've never seen someone this I love to zig when... He's taken a lot of hate. Um, speaking of a lot of hate, Ryan Pace having a good draft. Sorry. Also having a good draft. Yep. yep. Like, up is down. Cats are hanging out with dogs. Sir Purr and Nike Belichick are like going to get coffee. Um, yeah, we, I'm just, I'm so just picturing like... Dave Gettleman and Ryan Pace like walking triumphantly into a sea of tweets, just just laughing. So you shouldn't fire your terrible general manager. You should 
hold on to them long enough for them to learn from everyone getting mad at them all the time and then I mean then, you, then can case, you can I make a case you can make a case that happened with Jason Light because I mean he drafted Robert Aguayo and then he trade up to go get Robert Aguayo like two or oh, three yeah. years ago and then they're in the Super Bowl or just won the and, Super Bowl. So and um you know you you draft Josh Rosen one year and then you just forget about it. And you're the there same you general manager and you draft Kyler Murray the next year. So we we give we have to give these general managers time to grow and learn. These these poor hassled executives. All right, I'm moving on before you guys can say more mean things about my trade down king, Dave Gettleman. Kaylin, like you like you said at the beginning, the general managers what? are just doing well and it's annoying. They're just doing a good job, and it's we have nothing to make fun of anymore. They've taken so everything bitter. from us. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylin, go. Oh, so am I, am I announcing my second winner? Yes, please. We need okay, more so positivity. It, oh, I mean, you you might dislike this then, because the winner is feeling old, at least for me. <laughs> I'm only 24, but I feel old when, you know, I see Asante Samuel getting drafted, T, T. Martin's son getting drafted, Patrick Sertan the second getting drafted like J.C. Horn went yesterday and then you have Wyatt Davis going today. I mean, some of those guys, again, like they're a little bit beyond, you know, influencing, at least their fathers played before informing me of like my football fandom and whatnot. But to see Asante Samuel's son get drafted today and uh, by the way, like that was a phenomenal pick by the Chargers. I think they'd be a winner here if I wasn't picking NFL dads. But the fact that I feel so old watching some of these guys get drafted makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Like, I'm not too far removed from college, but I'm starting to feel old watching the draft. I feel like a lot of other people now seeing people like that you grew up watching have their sons get drafted. It's kind of uncomfortable, but shout out to the dads. I think this pick is on on your part personally at the ripe old age of 24 is going to make a lot of people angry. Yeah, our, our producer Isaac just just messaged us and said, Kalen, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I did learn. I did learn today that um, Tyson Campbell, the cornerback the Jaguars took at the top of the second, was coached by Patrick Sertan the first in high school. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's someone I grew up watching. Informed me of football. Had the double sleeves in Miami. I totally remember that. I was like, man, that guy's cool. Now his son's playing in the NFL. It's crazy. And also, um, Rashawn Slater, who uh, went to the Chargers early, his dad. Reggie Slater was in the NBA until 2003. Oh, that explains why he's so much bigger than him. Okay. I was wondering why, because when you saw like the massive human being, just 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 give him a bear hug. You didn't even see his head. Just a mega dad. Enter the screen. That was crazy. Okay. Shout out huge dads. We love to see it. (laughs) Well, huge dads help you become a huge person, which is really important to becoming an NFL player. It's definitely like, a correlation. There, there's there's a reason the people we watched on TV are it's a thing is genetics are important in football is is something we're hitting on here. Very stupid. All right, well Roger, I promise we're going to give you the floor to get to some losers here in a second, but I'm just going to do you my go. second winner first, which is Bama. So, eight Alabama players drafted in the first two rounds of the draft, which is the mm-hmm. most in the common draft era, which by the way, the common draft era is one of those things that just sounds way too formal for what it is, which was just right. like the draft used to have a bunch more rounds and now it doesn't. So we have to distinguish. 
But anyway, I always feel it sounds like back that. in the day there was like a like a really nuts draft, like the irregular draft <laughs> right. that were just not <laughs> the, the the rare. We don't do the crazy dra- draft anymore. It's like how there used to like all those those um, factoids about like there used to be real cocaine and Coca Cola or whatever. That's that's what they were. Dra- yeah, they used uh, to do the cocaine draft with. every year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right, we're <laughs> moving on. Um, anyway, I do think that there is something a little bit interesting to this. Like, obviously, Alabama mm-hmm. getting a lot of guys drafted. They had seven guys drafted last year in the first two runs. Um, that's not that's nothing new. That's nothing unusual. But I do think that there is a little bit of something to this particular draft when there was such information scarcity and teams were worried about the medicals. A lot of coaches, it seems like, went into their information pipelines, you know, the Patriots double dipped on on guys from Alabama, so did the Eagles. Um and then you also had guys like Terrace Marshall goes to the Panthers, there's an LSU connection with Joe Brady. I think a lot of teams ended up leaning on those things even more heavily than usual. And that happened to a degree last year, but there was so much more film, there was just a little bit more for scouting departments to sink their teeth into. So I think that ended up getting kind of emphasized this year. But you guys are, you guys are my my college football fanatics. Did you think that there was any sort of redistribution of the balance of power of of conferences or teams that had a ton of guys drafted or, or less guys drafted? Kaylin, I'll 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 go to you. Well, I mean, with Alabama, you saw the typical powers, I guess, when you talk about the top teams in college football. Alabama had a lot of picks. Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, teams that dominate recruiting, you know, ended up, you know, three, four years later or whatever, ending up producing all of these high-level picks. So it was really, like, pretty curious that, you know, Alabama, again, like, like the point that you mentioned, how teams went back to, you know, the wealth for uh, lack of a better word, in terms of, you know, looking for the talent and seeking out familiar sources and getting out the right information before making informed decisions on them. So I think that's probably why we're seeing some players from, you know, schools that aren't necessarily big, you know, whose uh, prospects are probably considered hired uh, on consensus boards and whatnot, not get selected, even though it's a little bit chalkier than usual. I think that, you know, when you look at players from Stanford, for example, like Walker Little hasn't played since 2018. Uh, Davis Mills, a guy who was a former five-star. You know, David Shaw mentioned this in his press conference uh, during Stanford's Pro Day that, you know, NFL teams tend to come pick guys from Stanford because, you know, there's a familiarity with, you know, how everything is run there. And I think, I'm curious, you know, I I don't know what the situation is like. It's Washington, but you saw something similar tonight where you had so many guys from uh, that university get selected. So I, I do think that teams, you know, ended up going to what was familiar and what works for them. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. 
available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Roger, do you think that there was anything that we learned tonight or last night and tonight about how the guys who opted out were viewed? Because it didn't seem like ultimately it seem like like there was a lot of difference. Yeah. A lot of talk, but it didn't seem like those guys were penalized at all. I mean, there were so many of them in the first round. I mean, Sewell and Slater were right up there at the top, the the first two offensive tackles off the board in spite of the fact that they didn't play this past year. That's And um, Jamar Chase, too, first wide receiver off the board. Um, Yeah, it didn't seem like it's any problem. With regards to Alabama, I mean, this the Alabama team this year was one of the best of all time, just destroyed every single team they played. Um, Last year, we saw LSU have five first-round picks and then set the record for most picks in one draft in the common draft era. Um, Thank you. So I'm not sure how LSU fits into it, but it does seem to me just um, that more even as poorly distributed as college football already is, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia are just getting such a ridiculously high percentage of the top tier recruits in a way that even compared to five years ago wasn't the case. And I, I don't I don't think this is gonna stop. There's they're still getting the best players. We're going to see Bryce Young, the quarterback for Alabama, drafted extremely highly in a few years. Um, we're going to see Alabama just continue to churn out. The, it's just a factory. And why would you go anywhere else if you if you're a top tier guy with NFL hopes? So, yeah, Alabama won, and they'll keep winning. It's was they were undefeated last year, and we can't stop them. They're like they're going to take over everything. We will all be Alabama someday. <laughs> well, Alabama's great. 
But now it's time to talk about some things that are not so great. And Roger, I know you've been eager for this, so we'll we'll stay with you. Who was your first loser? Um, I I think the the biggest loser of the NFL draft so far is the company that paid to sponsor the Rams draft house, <laughs> the mortgage company that paid to sponsor the Rams draft house, and then um, they haven't been on TV at all. I'm not going to name them because they're not paying me, but it's a mortgage company. You can look it up if you really like to. I'm not going to give uh, there. I'm calling them a loser. I'm not going to give them any extra publicity. But so the Rams, uh, of course, didn't have a first round pick because the Rams don't like first round picks. Um, they had a second round pick, which they used on Tutu Atwell. It was the 57th pick. Uh, he's graded by pro football focus as the 157th best prospect of this class. He weighs 149 pounds. Yeah. There hasn't been a player that light in the NFL since the 1990s. I looked it up. The last player, 150 pounds or less, was Tony Jones, who left the NFL in 1993. You can't make a player on Madden under 150 pounds. I'm really worried about Tutu Atwell. We need to feed this guy. Or like maybe... Maybe he should get an exemption for a special jersey and like more padding. I just want, I just worry. The the one thing about this draft that sort of bummed me out a little bit is that it feels like there are a lot of, particularly in the receiver group, there are a yeah. lot of like body type issue guys. And I always hate, like, it, there's something sort of ridiculous when we're talking about these like incredibly good athletes where yes. it's like, oh, well, he he might be a little too small. I don't know that he can hold up against NFL competition. And it just feels so lame and stupid and unfair. And it's also just like a little bit weird because there's so much that's a part of talking about sports where you're just like talking about strangers' body types, which in and of itself is a little bit odd. I have to say for our guy Tutu, I, I just... I've watched a lot of football. It is a collision thing. And it makes me nervous. Look, it, it's okay. This is, this is a great moment for slender people and small people uh, to see so many short slot receivers. As someone who is a part of the under 5'10 human being uh, gang, I guess we could call ourselves, this is a phenomenal draft. I love this draft. Did you see the run in, in the middle of the second round where they had Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, uh, who went to, excuse me, um, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm losing it off the top of my head, uh, Tutu Atwell, and then there was another slot receiver who also went in the middle of the second round. But point is, and then you have Devontae Smith who is six foot and then only weighs, what, 166 pounds? This is huge. This is huge. This is a thing for small, slender people, you too can play in this modern NFL. And I wish this would have happened when I was a little kid because then my parents would have probably let me play tackle football a little bit sooner than they did. I would have known whether I was good or not sooner. So good so, good so for you, smaller people. So you did play tackle football and figure it and out I eventually, though? And I was bad, yes. Okay. But I would have okay. learned out sooner. <laughs> but what could have been? What could have been? Roger, I'm surprised but, but we didn't anyway. get an Elijah Moore take out of you. That's your guy. Ah, huge Elijah Moore fan. Um, college football legends. He, he, I don't want to say he cost Ole Miss their biggest game of the year by pretending to <laughs> urinate on the field. But anyway, he's a Jet now. He's my guy. I, I wanted to get back to the Rams draft house okay, in Malibu, yes, thank you. which is very, uh, looks very beautiful and is a total Cliff Kingsbury ripoff. But anyway. The Rams did not have a first-round pick. They had a bad second-round pick, and then they traded out of their third-round pick. 
So someone sponsored this this very nice house in Malibu. Looks like a great house. It has a pool. Yep. And it, it was just for Sean McVay. It has a photo of Roger Goodell on the wall. Which and and that they got like 45 seconds of airtime. It's it was a bad investment by by the company that that I'm not naming. <laughs> I think it got it got enough buzz online ahead of it, I guess. And then Twitter is a real life yeah. except for Dave Gettleman, I guess. Twitter is a real life except for when it's influencing <laughs> Dave Gettleman. Yeah, and then their their general manager Les Need unfortunately yeah, Les tested Need. positive for COVID and then couldn't even yeah. make the pick in the draft house. He's at so. his unsponsored garage making picks. Yeah, which it, it seems like I, I don't mean to get off topic here, but in Les Need's garage, there are like mattresses Leaned up, creating a thing that he was sitting in while he was drafting. There was some photo of him that I really didn't understand. But I, was I don't it a need podcast to... studio? <laughs> it actually kind of looked like it could have been. Maybe great audio in there. Who knows? But I'm I'm getting us off topic. Uh, Kaylin, your first yes. loser. Okay, my first loser. Um, I picked the Big Twelve. Going back to your point about Alabama having such a great run of prospects, comparatively, the Big Twelve did not have a great run of prospects. So far through three rounds and 105 players, there are approximately six players who were selected out of the Big 12, which is in the middle of what's supposed to be football country, you know, having schools that are in Texas and the Midwest. Um, Tevin Jenkins went to the, the Chicago Bears in the second round. Trevon Merrick went to the Raiders in the second round. Sam Cosme from Texas went to the Washington football team in the second round. Creed Humphrey went to the Chiefs. Joseph Osai to the Bengals. Ronnie Perkins to the Patriots. Zero first-round picks. Comparatively, the SEC had 12 uh, total picks in the first round. The Big Ten had seven. And the ACC had six in the first round alone. So it's really shocking. Again, we can look back at recruiting. I'm sure like if you know, we did the, the deep dive that we probably could into how recruiting works, into how that influences where the talent is flowing. But it's really strange that, you know, you haven't had too many big-time players come out of what is supposed to be a football hotbed, you know, from the time these guys are, you know, five years old playing tackle football. Would have been nice to find them, but... So, Roger, do you think that... So, is this sort of, like, just a continuation of that realigning of of the real, real powers in college football, or, like, what's going on with the Big 12? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it it got hard to get defensive players out there in the last decade because the offense was way off the charts. Um, Texas is like not a a powerhouse. Kalen will be able to elaborate on this. I feel like went from not a powerhouse to like not good, which is, which is, which is not good. Um, (laughs) We saw some, some, uh, the, the, uh, um, there was a, a big 12 quarterback, um, hype era when we saw mm. back-to-back Oklahoma guys, number one, Jalen Hurts turned into a quality prospect at Oklahoma. You know, people were like, you know, looking for the next Patrick Mahomes. Um, but that's that's really mo- not not so much of a, doesn't feel like a thing that was happening in the whole conference. It, it was just like a few guys who were great at scheme and good at quarterback development as opposed to a string of five-star recruits wanting to play in the Big 12, which they 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 haven't wanted to in in, in recent years. They 
keep wanting to go to Alabama, um, Ohio State, Ohio State and yeah. th- those and those schools are just going to keep on showing up on draft day over and over and over and over again. Yeah, Ohio State is known for pillaging Texas, especially like it, the Big Twelve has really struggled at developing players because when you look at some of these teams like Ohio, like Oklahoma and Texas, they are always in the top ten of recruiting. It's just they really struggle at developing posi- players right. who are going to be NFL players. Out, you know, especially in terms of premiership. So, however, the Big Twelve did give the NFL Cliff Kingsbury, who in turn, because of his own draft day photo, inspired the. Rams Draft House sponsored by the company that we're not naming. So you can't say that they didn't have their their fingerprints on. Well, although not the first round, right? Still stuck Zero. in the second round. And Cliff, who was a tiny quarterback at one point, is now hoarding the short kings that we were just talking about. Short kings. There we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. The team of short kings, the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, that's awesome. That is very, 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 cute very birds, awesome. Cardinals. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from that, I don't know how I'm going to top that, but my first loser is like secretly probably a winner, but it's Kyle Trask, who was picked 64th by the Bucks, And now I'm worried Tom Brady's going to be mean to him because in 2014, <laughs> the year 2014, it is unbelievable that it has been this long. Jimmy Garoppolo, also chosen in the second round, Bill Belichick, after making the pick, says, we all know what Tom's age and contract situation is. Please remember that it was 2014. It is now 2021. And now we might do it all over again with Kyle Trask and Tom Brady's just going to play until he's like 600 years old. Uh, in reality, I actually think this is a really, really, really good situation for someone like Kyle Trask who maybe has a lot of potential, but also who knows and could use a good developmental situation with potentially great mentorship and Clyde Christensen and Byron Lefwich and Bruce Arians and Brady, if he's not really mean to him. I actually think it would be an incredible troll of the Patriots if Brady was just like incredibly nice to Kyle Trask and did everything he possibly could to groom him into this like starter of the future and and set up a legacy. But that might not happen and he might be really mean to him. And Kyle Trask is going to get traded to a friendly team for a second round pick in like three years. And we're going to have no idea if he's good or not. Isn't that like the Tom Brady backup way to kind of yes. sit behind Tom it's Brady the and then someone life. picks you? Yeah. And then someone thinks you're better than what you are and you make a few million off that? Not a bad deal. Yeah. Things turned out well for, I know that the past week has not been great for Jimmy G, but like he had a, he's had a pretty good career. In, yeah. in not in terms of playing football, but in terms of like people saying he's great, him making a hundred million dollars and, and winning a lot of games and winning a lot of games. I want to go back to specifically the meanness. It was your sense <laughs> that Tom Brady was actually mean to him, like, was it nice? Like, didn't like, yeah, did you bully him? Can, can you elaborate? You're, you're an expert on this topic. Um, no, I don't think that yeah, Tom Brady was actively mean to... <laughs> that would have been incredible if Tom Brady had just, like, pranked Jimmy Garoppolo all the time. <laughs> for years on end. Signed him for up for years, years on, on end. 12 like, on full Eli Manning, just tried to drive him out of town. Gosh, I wish that had happened. Um, no, I don't, I don't think there was... 
look, I think Tom Brady knows how he got his job and that's sort of a cliche at this point, but it's the same with Rodgers, right? Like history with these quarterbacks, even if they are the the untouchable ones like a Brady or Rodgers, they don't like it. They don't like it when these guys come in behind him. Now, I think maybe that's a little bit different with, with Kyle Trask than it was with Garoppolo. And no, I don't think that Tom like personally picked on him, but I don't think that he, you know, I, I don't think that he was like doing cartwheels when it seemed like Garoppolo was doing well at first before he got hurt when Brady was suspended. Like it all, look, these guys are just, they're just wired in a crazy way. Um, but no, he was not like actively mean to him. The actual loser is um, Blaine Gabbert, who <laughs> probably oh, doesn't. A good point. Who probably doesn't have a, who, who, who? Because Kyle is. Does Kyle Trask become the backup? Like, does is he ready to go in if something happens to Tom Brady as a rookie? Probably a probably a a, a, a camp competition to be had there. Or does Very Blaine Gabbert stuff. hang out? And, yeah, it it is. I mean, I guess you do have. To prepare for the Patriots spent like 11 years hypothetically preparing for when Tom Brady left and then Tom Brady left and all the guys they had picked either had failed out of the league or were gone. So I, I guess now it's time for the Buccaneers to spend the next 11 years doing that. Well, right. And 11 being the operative number, right? Because part of the reason that all that got so as dramatic as it did in New England was that when they took Garoppolo, they were kind of like, well, okay, Tom can't keep doing this, right? And then he was like, joke's on you. Um, but all, all, all love to Kyle Trask. I hope it's lots of fun. And I hope you guys become great friends. <laughs> Roger, can I get another loser from you? Yeah, so I, I don't know what to make of what's... Th- there's This is a very fraught one, but... The Houston Texans did not have a pick in the first two rounds because they traded for Laramie Tunsil. Uh, they're in really bad shape. They used their first pick, which was in the third round, on Davis Mills, the eighth quarterback off the board. And now it's like, it's unclear whether he's expected to, you know, be competing with Tyrod Taylor for the quarterback job. Possibly, there was a lot of talk from NFL insiders during the broadcast about how um, Deshaun Watson probably isn't going to play for the Texans, maybe in the NFL ever again. But I think the 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 weird situation the Texans are in in terms of fielding a football team didn't really hit me until I realized like their best hope. And that spot was to draft the eighth best quarterback and hope I, it just, it just seems really bleak and bad. And there's, they had, they're going like, if, if they're starting Davis Mills this year or Tyrod Taylor, they're going to win less games than they won last year. And they won four games last year. It's just, there's, I don't know what the right thing was for them to do there, but it just really that seemed like a flashpoint moment for the franchise about how how bad the on-field product will be coming up. Hmm. Kalen, Texans 2021 season over under four wins. Where are you? Uh, I'll take the under. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, I, I like Davis Mills. I don't know if you're expecting him to come in and immediately be a starter. Like you said, Roger, like all 
you know, what NFL insiders and everything we've heard, honestly, what you see from watching him play, he has developmental traits. And there's a reason why this dude was like a former number one prospect. He was a former five-star. And, you know, there, there's a reason why they are rated that high. There's plenty of talent. He looks the part, but this isn't the guy you're going to immediately drop from, you know, playing a six-game Pac-12 season after, you know, really not uh, ever winning a job over KJ Costello, you know, into suddenly being the savior for the Houston Texans. If it happens, I mean, God bless him. But I, I think that's a really rough situation for him. And it's like you said, it's really indicative of kind of how the Texans are kind of going to go in the next year, not really having any type of direction because we expected them at this point to have figured out a direction knowing what they know is happening within their organization. And they still don't seem to have it. Yep, it's pretty bleak. I do not recommend looking up the Texans depth chart right now because it is not fun times. Um, so asked about it, Davis Mills said he was not expecting to be called by the Houston Texans. Awesome. Boy. <laughs> the Patriots tweeted this video of them telling Mac Jones that he'd been the pick and making the selection. And I, there's no way that they're not genuinely psyched about having a quarterback any one of the top five fall to them at 15 and not having to trade up for it. I'm, I'm positive that they are thrilled to have made that selection. However, I wouldn't personally have tweeted the video because they all in that draft room sound so upset and just like not excited at all. No. And that's just because, you know, Belichick can be a little dour, but they're calling Mac Jones and they're like, yep, okay, yep, welcome to New England. We're very excited. Everyone here is very excited, and it's just like what the heck? Robots. Real same energy there, except in this case with the Texans, I think the uh, I think it's more reflective of reality. Um, yeah. Moving on to other bad things, Kaylin, uh, will you give us another loser? Um, I picked Kirk Cousins, and it's because Ooh. of the fact that the Vikings decided to choose a potential successor in Kellen when we saw that quarterback run. Um, during the second round. Uh, I'm really curious to see like what happens with Mon because out of that collection of you know guys we had decided were not in that top tier uh, of draft, draft prospect at quarterback, Kellen Mon probably has the biggest upside in my opinion. When you talk about right. the athleticism, the arm talent, it, and really he kind of proved that he was successful at you know playing a consistently high competition in the SEC. I thought that he was probably going to be overdrafted. I think this is exactly where he ended up uh, going where he needed to. And especially it's a good situation because Gary Kubiak kind of runs a very quarterback-friendly offense. Um, and again, when you look at Kirk Cousins, he's got two years left. He's going to turn 33. He's only going, like his ceiling as a quarterback is only going to be, you know, top 10-ish, maybe. We're always going to be on the front, like question marks about him. And he's kind of streaky. So this is someone who, if I were Kirk Cousins, I'm looking over my shoulder, I wouldn't be particularly happy about, you know, because if he, if Mon develops into something, he's not going to end up in Minnesota beyond his contract. Yeah, I think that's an awesome fit. I really love that pick because the, you know, the athletic ability is great. The upside is great. And then just for, for Mon, a great situation to obviously not have to have any sort of pressure right away. And then yep. to be within that, you know, Kubiak style offense, that's going to take some of the, some of the processing is just going to be made a little bit easier at the front end and he'll have a chance to develop and it's a friendly scheme and that could be really exciting. Although to your point, maybe less so for Kirk Cousins. 
Um, but Kirk Cousins is fine. Kirk Cousins has done very well for himself. There's a few ways that when you're drafting a quarterback in the second or third round can go. Like when it's a first round, you're like, oh, that's the franchise guy. Right. When it's the second round, sometimes it's you're drafting a backup for Tom Brady. Sometimes you think maybe Kellen Mond could maybe outperform Kirk Cousins. And the the Texan situation is, as we mentioned, just impossible to figure out what the plan is. It's it's all, all roads lead to the Texans being a disaster. Nora, I believe you have some losers for us. Yes, I will give you well, so I don't think staying in the state of Texas, my loser, my other loser was Jerry Jones. Oh and I don't think that the the Cowboys had a bad draft or anything, but I just don't think that Jerry had as much fun as he usually does during the draft because Jerry loves to trade up and he loves to go get his guys and he loves to make splashy moves. And what happened was that every time the Cowboys were about to make a pick and everybody knew that they needed to improve their secondary in a real, real, real way in this draft, somebody else would leapfrog them. So like first round, the Panthers and the Broncos take J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan and everybody had mocked Patrick Sertan to the to the Cowboys. Um, and it was a little bit of an open question whether the Panthers and the Broncos were maybe thinking about quarterbacks or if somebody would trade with them for a quarterback. Um, that doesn't happen. They both make the picks and go defensive back. So then, first of all, Jerry has to suffer the indignity of trading back with the Eagles, which was, no, that's not a competitive issue, but he can't have liked it. Yeah, and then tonight, well, I think because the Giants were behind them, they figured if it was going to be Smith, right. it would be one or the other. So, like, it's in the division anyway, so who cares? But then tonight, the Raiders traded up for Trevon Merrick, the best, you know, one of the best safeties in the draft, right before the Cowboys were going to pick. So, you know, they still went really heavy on on defense in this draft, which is great. They got Micah Parsons. They got Calvin Joseph, uh, a couple defensive linemen. And I think it was actually, they took five defensive players. And it was the first time since like the 80s that they'd done that or something, or maybe the 60s. I, I'm, I'm... Common draft down, really, you think? <laughs> Common draft era. I'm brutally regurgitating a, a tweet that I saw. But they still, I think, you know, did totally fine and addressed their needs. I just think Jerry misses being on his boat and didn't didn't get to have the fun that he normally has. So sorry, Jerry. You mentioned how they need secondary help. So they they um ended up taking with the 99th pick, Nashawn Wright out of Oregon State as a cornerback. And I had yes. to Google because you know, I didn't watch too much Oregon State last year um, or or any year, <laughs> apologies, since they had Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada on the same team. Um, so this guy, uh, I went over to the NFL mock draft database, and he is listed uh, on their composite big board, which is they take every mock draft and put them all together as the 294th best player in this draft. Uh, which is a problem because they're only like 250 picks. Uh, NFL.com has him as chance to make end of roster or practice squad. A lot of sites just didn't do profiles on him. So they got traded up over for cornerbacks and safeties multiple times. And then I guess they just, they either like this guy or they just panicked and needed a cornerback and took someone no one had ever heard of in the third round, like 200 picks before he should have been taken. 
Sorry, that was a lot on the 99th pick in the NFL draft. But (laughs) you know what? You just taught me something, Roger Sherman, and and that's the great, that's the beauty of this. Like to their point, I mean, like they also drafted Kelvin Joseph right out of Kentucky, and I think he transferred somewhere else. Like he 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 was or from LSU, and he was a pretty good Mm -hmm. prospect then. And it's just you know a character issue, I guess, is what was reported as the reason why he slid. So. They they did what they could, I guess, in terms of getting jumped by other teams. Right. Well, I mean, it's just tough. Like, I'm sure they would have loved to take Merrick. Who, by the way, why did the Raiders... If the Raiders' first oh, round no. and second round picks were just flipped, like, no one would be giving them <laughs> all of the grief that they're taking, but they right. just can't be normal. Like, take Leatherwood in the second and it'd be fine. It's just weird, man. I don't understand. I still, I, what are we in? Year three, year four of Gruden and Mayock. And it's just, they just do their own thing. So I'd be like, respect them. But also, it's weird process when everyone is clearly saying, oh, he's not going to go that high. Insiders saying he's not going to go that high. And they're calling it a controversial pick. They admitted it was a controversial pick. It's just, it's mind bending. Mind bending. They are funky, funky, fu- funky fresh. Uh, Roger, will you close us out with a, oh, you go ahead. Yeah. It feels like the whole idea of quote, like grading or analyzing the NFL draft is not, you know, we don't know whether these players will be good, but we at least know where they were supposed to be taken. And it feels like the Raiders are missing out on that. Like the whole concept of like draft value, they could be getting more if they traded down and still got the players. It just doesn't, it's so confusing. Well, that they aren't hitting that angle. They took a guy in the first round that people thought would, you know, go second-ish. And then they took a guy in the second round that people thought was going to go in the first round. And because of that, there's a lot of snark, which prompted their Twitter account to tweet something about like, we don't care what the, in quotes, draft experts say, like, we're going to make the pick we want or whatever. I'm I'm paraphrasing badly. Um, I'm not, certain that tweet seems all that aware of the uh, professional resumes of their coach and general manager. (laughs) If we're just criticizing draft experts here, uh, you happened to have hired one. But anyway, enough about the Raiders. Yeah, like if I ever become an NFL GM and I, like if I ever become an NFL GM and like I give a big press conference, like we're not listening to podcasters who have never played football before. Like, All right. I would love to see that happen. Yeah. Roger, will you close us out with your final loser of the evening? I I would like to talk about a pick that didn't happen. Uh, oh, boy. The And I was just scanning the draft order, and I, I remembered a moment in time, and I'd like to reminisce about it a little bit. Okay. The... Uh, Patriots had the 15th pick in the first round. They traded away the 15th pick in the third in the second round. They didn't have the 15th pick in the third round. Nora, Nora knows why. Kaylin, I'm going to ask you, do you know why the Patriots didn't have the their their third round pick? Oh gosh, I'm not going to know why. Is it the flake gate? That's like 20 years ago, nope. right? It's not <laughs> nope, that, that, it is so much it, stupider it's, than the flake gate. It's because in 2019, they sent a guy to supposedly film a web series. Oh, my God. And he spent 
a significant amount of time Do your just job. filming. Do your job, the digital web series. He yep. spent a significant amount of time just filming the sideline of the 1-12 in 12 Cincinnati Bengals, who the Patriots were playing next week. Supposedly, and, and that's illegal, you can't just film the teams that you're playing in the future for fun. And, you know, it was never really decided whether this person actually was making a web series or was actually just cheating and filming. But either way, those are both Hold embarrassing reasons. I'm going to jump in here. The guy worked for Kraft Sports Productions. He Unreal. was not a football ops person. So that it, it was know. just a screw up. It was just like uh, he was doing. But either yeah. way, it was the third round of the draft. Uh, the punishment for that came out tonight, two years later. And that's just the funniest reason, whether it was because of your web series or because you're cheating against the one in 12 oh, Bengals. it's funnier Either that it was of an those accident are, about the web series. It's funnier that a web series cost them a third round pick. I, I think I'm, I'm inclined to agree that it's funnier that, that they were making a bad video well, for YouTube. Particularly because it's funniest when you imagine someone having to explain this to Bill Belichick. Yeah. Who is pretty mm -hmm. safely the greatest football coach of all time. But the A number one thing people reference on the the con column of that is the checkered history with cheating scandals. So somebody had to tell Bill that because, and Bill hates all the online stuff anyway, right? Like he, he the, we're going to create a digital web series and post it online and, and tell people how we do things inside the building. Like that's basically Bill Belichick's worst nightmare already. And then somebody has to go tell Bill, we're in trouble. And the league is thinks that we may have, you know, done something a little bit shady because the freelance guy that we had filming B-roll for the web series that you probably already hate was filming the sideline and it's against the rules. And it it is against the rule. Like they should have, so the way that, and then we'll end, I can't believe that we're talking about this. <laughs> they they did break a rule. That's why I don't think that it's, I mean, there's a lot of people in New England who think it's really unfair that they didn't get to make that pick. They still messed up. They broke a rule. I just don't think that they, it's pretty clear they didn't do it on purpose and that it wasn't a football person who did it, but you're not allowed to film the other sideline. And somebody who round, was working, yeah. The third round is like a, a good pick. There were good players available. Good but the round. Patriots did not get to, good like the Patriots the arguably, the Patriots like are famously good at um, getting those compensatory picks at the end of the third rounds. Yep. And like that's been credited as like a reason why they're able to get so many players without hitting free agency. And then they just lost one because of the web series. That's what I was saying. Like, who did they miss out on in the draft? Like, where where was this pick supposed to be? Because it's not even, I don't even see it on ESPN's. Uh, it's the, it was in between 76 and 77. So, like, we talked about Anthony Schwartz as a great pick for the Browns earlier. That was 15 picks after this. 76 was a good player. Yeah. 76 could have been a good player for them. Paulson like, Devo, he's probably going to start for the Saints a quarterback next year. What the heck? And Josh Palmer on the Chargers. Damn. I'd well, be mad. Tiny violin for the New England Patriots not getting to make that pick because of one of the most ridiculous NFL scandals in recent memory. Roger Sherman, Kalen Jones, thank you so much for, for potting after dark with me and for talking about day two of the draft where everyone was kind of smart. Yeah. Except for 
Except for the Raiders? Are we, are we going? No, the Raider, Raiders. Well, the Raiders. Smart, oh, the Raiders are smart. The Raiders made a great pick. Today. Okay, yes. yeah, no. 32 for 32. Everybody did it. Good job, Except everybody. Except for the Texans, maybe. Texans, maybe. But yeah. Right. Good job, mm. guys. This has been the Ringer NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. The Dannys will be back on Saturday giving out overall awards for the entire draft. That's going to be great. Kevin Clark and I will be back on Monday, every Monday in May and June. This episode came together thanks to the work of producer Isaac Lee with additional production supervision from Arjuna Ramgopal. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the draft. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.